Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hi, and welcome to the Bechdel Cast. My name's Caitlin. My name's Jamie. And we're having a podcast today and every day about... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what it is and Caitlin's then I'll go into... Day. I'm having a day. Um, the Bechdel Cast is a podcast where we talk about the portrayal of women in movies. Why do we do this? Well, it's just because a lot of movies don't portray women well. <laughs> But really, it's just because, just because yeah. we felt like it. The Bechdel cast is inspired by the Bechdel test, which requires that two women in a movie have names. They talk to each other about something other than a man, and we'll figure out whether this movie passes later on. But first... But first, you're having a day. <sighs> my car got towed because I'm a fucking idiot, and I parked no, in front smart. of a driveway that I didn't realize was a driveway because it had like a, a big gate over it and it just looked like a fence and I didn't see that it was a driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got my car towed. I still don't know where it is. I don't even know how to locate it. So I think I just don't have a car anymore. I'm having a day and it feels like a good day to die. Whoa. Whoa, segue. Segway into the movie we're talking about, which is Flatliners. But before we get into it, let's introduce our guest. Ooh. You've seen him on Conan. Yeah. You've seen him on Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah. He hosts a podcast called We Watch Wrestling. Yeah. Matt McCarthy. Well, hello there. Hello. Hi. And thank you for joining us on this wonderful day that I'm having. Hey, man. That ain't your fault. Yeah. It it's kind of was my fault. What's going to suck is like I'm going to have to pay several hundred dollars to get it untowed. Mm-hmm. You know, is my mistake worth several hundred dollars? I don't think so, but that's how much it'll probably cost. I think it's worth it. Because after all, you just paid off your car. That's right. Think I of how many people, just think of it as this month's car payment. 
Well, is it worth it to get my car? Yes, of course. I'm saying, (laughs) is the mistake I made, should my punishment be several hundred dollars that I have to pay? Well, think of all the people that benefit from that money. Either the county and the tow truck people. They have kids, too. You just bought the tow truck person's family, you know, groceries this If my money was going to, like, the Southern Poverty Law Center... Mm -hmm. Or to, like, help alleviate homelessness in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. fine. But it's not going to go to those things. Oh, I guess tow truck drivers should just eat out of the garbage can and live on the street. I understand. (laughs) They can tow away dumpsters for dinner that night. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. Their Hmm. daughters don't deserve to go to dance classes for Caitlin Durante. No. All right. Well, I don't like where this has gone. Sorry, you're having a bad day and everyone's ganging up on you. <laughs> you did a good thing today. You're you're participating in the economy. You're giving back. Yeah. You're literally giving back <sighs> the money you made. Yeah. You get to go to an impound now, lot. N- now I don't get to. When would you? When would you ever ever get to do that? That's right. Now Maybe there'll be a an experience. Mm-hmm. <gasps> a Maybe impound mm-hmm. lot. Maybe I'll meet my future mm-hmm. uh, domestic partner there because mm-hmm. I'm not getting married ever. A lot of a lot of sexy singles hang out at the impound lot. Mm. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about fucking flatliners. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> Matt, when did you see this movie for the first time, and what's your relationship to this movie? Well, it's interesting because this is—I was terrified of scary movies and TV shows when I was a kid. Well into you know preteen. Yesterday. I know. <laughs> well, it's like when here's a good example. And excuse my language, but I want to get the quote right. When Michael Jackson died, my cousin called my brother. And said, hey, Michael, ask your brother if he still cries like a bitch when Thriller comes on the TV. (laughs) So the Thriller music video was scary to you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah. I had. Spooky. I was so scared of. Well, I was five when it came out. Yeah. Like the Hogan family Halloween episode where all three brothers have nightmares scared me so much I unplugged the TV. Wow. Yeah. So you saw this movie as a young so person, this, and then yes, it I made you this, very scared? Well, no, because this was, I saw this, growing up, I watched Flatliners alone, and it scared the hell out of me, but it has, like, a happy ending. Like, everything gets resolved. It was the first scary movie I watched that I was like, I'm not scared afterwards or tonight going to bed, because mm-hmm. it was like there was a resolution and everybody was... No one dies. Uh, well, right. well, technically. Yeah. Everyone but Oliver Platt dies. <laughs> I know. What a wimp. I know. Oh, yeah. God. I have a lot of... Mm. He was also... The Alfred Molina part <laughs> that could have been went to Oliver Platt in this yeah. case. Yeah. Oliver Platt was born 46 years old. I don't know if you can yeah. tell. <laughs> so if this came out in 90, I must have seen it in like 91. So I was like 11. Jamie, what about you? When did you see it? Last night, 1 a.m., and I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was fun. I think a lot of it was fun for me just because I love uh, watching the Schumacher tropes just roll on in. Do you mean like, well, I don't know if this is a Schumacher trope, but the production design in this movie, specifically the lighting, yes, I think is so fucking corny. (laughs) Peak Schumacher. (laughs) It li- like yeah, it all is sort of lit like a high like school a dance. Like a guy trying to be David Lynch. It, ex- oh yes, there. It looked like I was. I watched it before I came here, 
And it was one of the scenes where Kiefer Sutherland is in his outrageous apartment with no furniture. <laughs> yeah. And I go, it's just, it's a fucking music video. It's so music video, the whole movie. Well, they go to med school in an art museum. In, an, in a in museum. A, that's under renovation. Mm-hmm. Which you think that they would address at any point, but they never right. do. Everywhere they go is either closed for the night, <laughs> even like the diner, all the chairs are up, but they're, they're in there with one yeah. waitress ripping cigarettes. Well, I assumed that this movie took place in some alternative timeline, but then they make all these very of-the-moment references that it's like, oh, no, they're just supposed to be in... Chicago? What city yeah, are they no, supposed I to be? Right, it's Chicago. Yeah, no, because someone says uh, Kevin Bacon says that he was on the L or something. Right, right, right. And that, and then I was just like, oh, okay, now I know. But it could shout have out been. to our Chicago fans. <laughs> and by Sorry, that I mean that, the movie Chicago, not anyone who lives in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. People who really love Richard Gere's singing voice. <laughs> this episode is dedicated to you. Yeah, mm. and the way that uh, Joel Schumacher styles it just looks like like there's literally steam everywhere outside just the city is just taking a long fart for the entire but no one is there like it's totally a band like i thought that they were going to address like oh this is chicago if if everyone left it was very strange well there's also the scene where julie roberts character is tending to that very elderly woman who's on her deathbed and they're the hospital that they're in like it looks like a like World War Two era, like yeah, just mm-hmm. we- it reminded it's me so of so archaic looking. You know the hospital scene in Gone with the Wind. It reminded me of that, like just like a big- right, like it's a makeshift yeah. hospital <laughs> that got set up in the hallway of of someone's mansion. Yeah, it looks dirty. It doesn't look clean. Yeah, the production design is bonkers in this movie. But yeah, I had not seen this movie either. I thought I did, or maybe it's just because I. It had been recommended to me so often and explained to me, like, what the premise was that I was like, yeah, I know this movie. I must have seen it. And then I watched it. I was like, whoops, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched it twice. Generally, I liked it, except I hate the third act. I hate how it ends. The resolution oh. is so stupid, and I'll get into it later, but it kind of ruined the whole movie for me, the the way the third act unfolds. I think the whole movie is like, I don't know. It's like I enjoyed watching it, but it is very boring, where it's like... Like, what could you learn by watching this whole movie that you couldn't take away by just watching the trailer? You know, mm. like they die over and over. I remember the the bits that were in the commercials of so many movies. So as soon as Oliver Platt goes, I didn't go to medical school to help my classmates die or something like that. That was I was like, oh, that was in the fucking commercial. That was there, <laughs> big time. And today's a good day to die, of course. Yeah, it's, oh, it's the best line in the movie, and it's the first line of dialogue, and it's all yeah. downhill from there. And then the last like, line in the movie is by far the worst. It, it's not. It's, it's not, not like such it. a good day to <laughs> die. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then just tuba music plays yeah. out there. <laughs> no, I like the idea. I like the story, but I mean yeah. the the execution. I, I don't like Joel Schumacher movies. Uh, shout out mm. to my <laughs> Phantom Heads. No. I Well, I don't know how to, first of all. I like The Incredible Shrinking Woman. I haven't seen that. I've seen Phantom <laughs> you know of the what? Opera 500 Right. Miles. See, this is your problem. Uh, Lost I, Boys is good. I, ju- I just met Matt downstairs oh, I and I did, that was him. Yeah. I did what I do when I, I don't know how to start a conversation, which is uh, bring up Joel Schumacher as the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. No, the number 23 is probably the worst movie I've ever seen Oh, in that one's life. very bad. That one's very, I, I forgot that was a Joel Sh- yeah. a Schumacher joint. Family of the Opera, 2004. Cannot wait to cover it in a future episode. Shout out to Gerard Butler. Should have been your breakout role. Too bad you cannot sing. Uh, that was really the only thing. That and everything about the movie. Anyways, uh, <laughs> shout out to my Schumacher heads. Joel Schumacher is mediocre in a very special way. Because he's trying, like he's okay. going for so much and none of it 
is like he's you an can ambitious see clearly, guy. I, I totally agree. And like he, the f- it doesn't pay off. He put or nipples. No. He cannot he put execute. nipples on Batman. He put nipples on Batman, which is maybe the most famous thing he's ever done. <laughs> Definitely. And you could tell he's like trying to go for a, a David Lynchy kind of vibe in oh, this movie. Yeah. And it just totally yeah. fails. But it fails spectacularly. Mm. Like the first, I can't remember exactly how many times. Is it like six? times total that people die in this movie either way the first three just look like he took a clip from like a discarded david lynch short and then eventually you go to kevin bacon's and then it looks like oh his version of death is a screensaver you know like everyone's (laughs) version of death is just like it's oh god it's it's bad well it's bad uh, why not use this opportunity to do the recap Okay. Here I go. Flatliners, it's got a bit of an ensemble cast, but our main character is Nelson, played by Kiefer Sutherland, and he is a med student along with four fellow med school students who go to, again, school in an art museum. (laughs) In an empty building. (laughs) (laughs) And he's interested in seeing what might be out there after death, like if there's sort of a life after death or what happens or where you go. And he's interested in exploring this. So he and all his med school friends, basically, they medically kill themselves for like, first it's like a minute or a minute and a half or something like that. And then they keep going for longer and longer. But they're betting too. Yeah, I'll die longer. (laughs) So after they've been dead for a minute or so, then they revive them and they like have to give them a shot of morphine and do their defibrillators and all that stuff. Uh, and they bring no, them a shot of adrenaline. Oh, what did morphine. I say? Morphine. <laughs> She's back. All right, dope her up. <laughs> a lot of lot of mouth to mouth. Like this, only the sexy characters get to give mouth to mouth. I turn. It turns out that is a Schumacher rule. Mm. Uh, if you're not in the top three most fuckable characters per the story, you're not going to be given mouth to mouth. You're not going to have mouth to mouth administered to you. Oliver Platt. No He's way. Not no. No way. Everyone gift. else. Literally, everyone else in the cast. Takes their shirt off at some point, except, except for Oliver Platt. <laughs> of course, it goes without saying that it turns out I've seen a lot of movies that Oliver Platt's in. He's a character actor. He's in a lot of stuff, and you just don't realize that till later. I have a huge crush on him now. He's my <laughs> new favorite person. He's and, in a Time to Kill, another Schumacher shit show. I don't know that I've actually seen any Joel Schumacher movies besides <laughs> this, the number twenty three Batman, Lost Boys. I haven't seen Lost Boys. Wow, did you see St. Elmo's Fire? No, I've seen almost no did movies he, for someone who has a movie podcast. Falling Down? Yes. Yeah, did you ever see Falling Down? No. Wow. What's it about? A, a movie What's with it about? Like a good Falling a Down? Cool, like kind of a cool premise, but like, again, poorly executed. Everything is wasted on Joel Schumacher. It goes without <laughs> saying. Well, back I, to oh, yeah, wait, wait, Flatliners. Uh, oh, uh, all I have to say, Oliver oh. Platt, uh, Alfred Molina easily could have played this part, but Oliver Platt did a great job. I'll go ahead and agree with that. I've got to make some charts uh, with with the Platt-Molina dichotomy. This has, like, opened up sort of a new... All the performances (laughs) in the movie are good. Yeah, everyone's good. Kiefer Sutherland plays the best Kiefer Sutherland I've ever seen. (laughs) Kiefer, how does he have time to be a full-time medical student, constantly dying, and maintain his bleached roots? (laughs) I love his hair in this movie. It's bananas. And not even frosty tips. No, all just frosty. Like all all frosty. frosty. Jack tips. Frost, ba- Kiefer Frost, baby. <laughs> Bacon's great. Yeah. Bacon shines. Even uh, B- Billy Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Even I was like, okay. 
It's weird. It's like I like how he's supposed to be like the hot man, like ooh, how hot he is. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of like hot lady men with very different faces, which I feel like doesn't happen anymore. I feel like everyone you know has the same face. Billy Baldwin's big movie after this, no Sliver oh. with Sharon Stone. I still have never seen it. Again, it's like the voyeuristic thing of like videotaping sex and people in hotels who don't know they're being videotaped and that whole thing. <laughs> That's just the vibe he gives off. Mm-hmm. He seems like he'd be taping. Like, don't get into bed with this man. Right. I love, n- love is not the word, but the the look Billy Baldwin gives his own uh. camera while fucking <laughs> for him to watch later of him smirking right. at you're just like, smirking is this for? At himself yeah. while he's no doubt masturbating to these videos. Right. He's like, yeah, what's up, future me? And also if he's, okay, just from a logistical, obviously, almost everything Billy Baldwin does is illegal in this movie, and it's sort of sometimes played for humor, which... Like, you're such a pervert. <laughs> pervert, and it's like uh, Oliver Platt. But but he also says, what, pussy marauder? Yeah. Right. That's great. But Billy, <laughs> Billy Baldwin, logistically, he knows he's filming this. He knows the angle, presumably, he set it up at, but it's still, it's always angled at his... Mm-hmm. It's missionary. He's like, it, he's looking at his own ass and yeah. face. Mm-hmm. Who... Right. What? It's not, yeah. What? He didn't really think that through, I don't think. No, I think he did think it. I think he just <laughs> wants to watch it himself fuck. Oh. I think that... And yeah. also, you know, it's like Kevin Bacon and Kiefer, they like make amends in it. He doesn't... He just kind of gets busted. Well, that's... Dumped. That was a point I uh, will bring yeah. up during the discussion. So just hold Are we still course. recapping? Yeah, we're oh, still yeah. there, baby. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, oh, that's cute. I screwed up the recap by <laughs> explaining something that happened in the movie. And also oh, a different Platt's movie. Cute. So first, Nelson, he uh-huh. they kill himself. <laughs> okay, good. Good <laughs> Simpsons reference. Thank you. So, I love the recap. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the best part of the episode. It always episode. takes 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah uh, and I'm not sorry. So anyway, Nelson's the first one to die see what happens after death and then billy baldwin and his vision he like sees like a lot of his naked music ladies. video yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's a robert palmer mu- music video <laughs> yeah and then julie roberts character dr manis is like i want to go next and kevin bacon's like no me and they sort of get into this bidding war and then but then they're like but we have a crush on each other but right, crushing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Kevin Bacon's character goes next. He uh, sees a screensaver. His name is uh, David Labraccio, which when you read it out, it sort of looks like Lab Rat almost, but with like C's. And I'm like, what oh, a fun. fun. Was that purposeful? That's 100% know. it was. And <laughs> whoever wrote, like that's like one of those moments where you see something so cutesy that you're just like, oh, the screenwriter is jerking himself <laughs> off right now. He's so fucking proud of himself. Right. He's like, people 30 years from now are going to see that and be like, oh my fucking God, what a smart guy. Yep, I sure did. <laughs> oh yeah, and Billy Baldwin's know. character is Dr. Joe Hurley, and he makes you hurl. There you go. Wow. Kiefer it's... Sutherland's, he has no first name or last name. No, it's just, just Nelson. Nelson. And Nelson. some of the other characters are like, on IMDb are listed as like, Dr. Rachel Manis, Dr. Joe Hurley, but he's just Nelson. Nelson. Just Nelson. Are we to believe he's not a doctor? Well, they're all in medical school. Are, are, all right, so they're can not we call them doctors? Yeah, they're not doctors. I don't know what, they yeah. They don't think about this movie. Also, <laughs> the first scene Kevin Bacon is in in this movie, he's scaling a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Because he gets kicked out of school and he can't. But he's not allowed to use the door. He's he's suspended for four months, so he decides to rig. Like he had to go onto the roof of the building first to rig up the ropes to then like scale the building. Yeah, climbs out of a second story window. They're having a casual conversation. They're like, "He'll let you back in next semester." And Kevin Bacon's scaling a building. He's like. It doesn't matter. I'd do the same thing again. Which is which is what I he, don't understand. What, what why was he, he sort of out? intervened when uh, like a patient came in who was dying and they needed to save her life and he sort of intervened. and was like I'm going to do this and I think he saved her, but right. he was like out of line or he shouldn't have done it or he like, didn't follow else. procedure. Or You're something. out of line. Someone else yeah. should have done it. Yeah, so he gets suspended from school. Couldn't be further apart. <laughs> Keither's so- on the ground and and Kevin's <laughs> on the building. And then as soon as he lands, it's like extreme close up, extreme close up. It, there's a lot of weird tight shots in this movie. One of my favorites. Well, I'll just let me keep just, recapping. Let me just get through this recap and then we can. Sorry, talk Ke- about Kevin Bacon stuff. just entered. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we've we've gone back about we've a half hour. Back. We rewinded. I'm going to fast forward again. Finally, it's Julie Roberts' character's turn, and Fog she machine. goes Manus, Manus, which sounds like Dr. man Manus. anus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, there's that screenwriter mm-hmm. jerking himself off. <laughs> And then the visions that they have as they have been dead for these few minutes, they're trying to like make sense of them. And they're like, wait, I did see something. I don't know what to. And then like, meanwhile, Kevin Bacon's, he's like, I'm an atheist, but (laughs) I saw something. I don't know. And then these sort of visions start to come back and like kind of haunt them and torment them. And you realize they're all things from these people's past sins that they've committed or something that they feel guilty or responsible for. And they start to come back and torment them. And it's especially bad for Nelson because you find out that he bullied a kid to death and he's like, oh no. And this, mm-hmm. so this kid keeps Billy Mahoney. Billy Mahoney. I didn't even have to rewatch the movie today. To remember. I re- remember. <laughs> Sometimes I'll see a kid in like a red hooded sweatshirt with the hood up and I go, Billy Mahoney. Well, here's the thing I wanted to mention. So remember when he, uh, Nelson's in Kevin Bacon's truck, mm-hmm. they're out in the woods and he's just sitting there and you see a little like kid with the red hood up scurry by. Do you think that's a nod? to the Donald Sutherland movie Don't Look Now is that oh. what it's called? Oh, interesting. They that little person well, like, scurries by in the red hood. Considering it's Joel Schumacher and he's made a career of ripping off other movies. Yes. <laughs> I do believe I that so. is the case. I was like, hmm, I wonder yeah, shout out to all my phantom all heads. the, you know, the, he's like how funny would it be if Kiefer Sutherland and we did this like visual nod to a Donald Sutherland movie. That's the... God, how annoying for Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> it's like I can't make one fucking movie. Yeah. So I had a, I had a note in, in, in my movie notes to make a point to look up later. And I just remembered. Uh, it says, uh, Billy Mahoney today, hot or not. And <laughs> I just did the appropriate Google searches. Answer, not. Uh, but he's doing very well. He is a... Principal and Portfolio Manager at Argyle Capital Partners. Hey, good for him. Uh, mm. And he still uses hair gel. And he's in L.A. Let's call oh, him up. Let's call let's him. Let's call this guy up. Billy Mahoney. What's he's his real name? Joshua Rudoy. Boy, can that kid wield a hockey stick. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, so this kid beats the shit out of Kiefer Sutherland a few times. and In the most... Evil Dead 2 way where it's just he finally gets him and then it's just slapstick fighting and like <laughs> and spits, spits in his spits mouth. On his face and oh, the loogie! In his mouth. Yeah. That was the only point in the movie where I, I had to look away. 
That was an extended loogie. Yeah, it was it was gross. So then this kid's tormenting him, and mm-hmm. you find out it's because he bullied him, and he fell out of a Killed tree him. and died. Yeah. Hit him in the head with a rock. And all the Literally everyone else is like trying to. to right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone else is like sort of taking measures to correct the wrongs that they did in their past that are haunting What's them. great is when the when Billy Mahoney dies, like the two kids that are with Kiefer are like, oh, dude, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You and then threw the last rock. They yeah. also like... You did that, dude. <laughs> and they, it paralyzes that dog and the mm-hmm. dog Champ. is like crawling. Champ. Champ. It's like fun how like half thought out a lot of these plot points are because the only reason Julia Roberts thinks that it's her fault that her dad died is because her mom turns to her and right. is very dramatically like, it's, it's your, your fault. fault. <laughs> right. Like her whole life, she thought she killed her dad by walking in on him in the bathroom. But it, yeah, but it's like that doesn't make it doesn't any make sense. sense. <laughs> he no. runs it, out of the bathroom. And I mean, I get from a five year old's perspective how that would feel like mm-hmm. it was. It well, was also mom flat out said it. It's so that your helps. Fault. So he's like, well, I have to make amends. And he thinks that the only way to do that is to go back under. This is Nelson. Nelson's like, yeah, I got to go kill myself again because Billy's also dead. So how else is he going to make amends? I think he does this with the intention that he'll just remain dead. But then all his friends are like, oh, no, he's killing himself again. We got to save him. But in his like afterlife, because he's dead for like 12 minutes. And in that time, he manages to... Like, the roles are reversed, and now he's up in the tree, mm-hmm. and he falls, and that somehow makes everything better, which is why I hate the ending of this movie. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, it he falls out of the tree. It makes sense to me. I just tree. don't like it. Yeah, like, I mean, no, it makes... you know how it feels. To... But then, like, how does that somehow absolve him of any guilt? Like, it just, I... I, I feel like... I, I hate Well, it. I feel like the only absolving of guilt that makes sense of all four of them is... Kevin Bacon, like right. that's the because he actively right. Goes. He's the only one who actually goes and makes an amends. Yeah, right. But and but in this, it's like almost sort of to Julia Roberts. Well, we'll we'll get to this, but like her resolution has like a weird magical element about it, where she finds out new information that doesn't. I don't know. Like none of them really line up with each other. I guess that well, like Billy Baldwin's abandoned, and that's good. But right. Well, he's still like kind of fucked up. Yeah. Even in the climax, and it's like the, nothing's been resolved with this guy. Like right. he's just stewing in his shit. Well, I now. don't think he deserves any sort of atonement. Like, he, I think well, because he, he doesn't. Disgust, he, like, because he doesn't continue to do it. I think. Probably. Whether or not he had participated in this at all, well, she comes to visit him, the fiance, because of how disturbed he was on the phone. Yeah. So I, that right. that does instigate it, but he just gets busted. Right, and she breaks up with him, which is punishment, but he... He doesn't do anything to make it right. He doesn't, no, he doesn't, but also... Do we even see him, like, delete the tapes or anything? No, in fact... (laughs) No, I think he's like, well... (laughs) It's not clear that he actually feels guilty for anything he's done, or if he's... He's just mad he gets caught. Yeah. Right. Um, Because He even says to her, it's not what you think. It's like, she thinks you're fucking other women and videotaping it without their knowledge. Right, and then she's like, yes, it is. Slam. But it's not End of Billy Baldwin's arc. So videotaping women during sex without their permission or knowledge is horrible. And I'm guessing it's probably a crime. I don't know. For sure is a crime. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a crime and it's also just morally repugnant. But also the scene where the different women are repeating back 
things that he has said to them. Right. There's, there's one that you're like. There, there's a few. Well, there's one where she's like, you said we, we didn't have to do anything. We mm-hmm. just lie here Don's in our like, underwear. We can and stop whenever can you stop want. Whenever I was like, want. oh, so he's, he's also raped. a rapist. Oh, great. He's gone above and beyond just videotaping women. Also, where he's... the fuck does he live? Like, do you remember that scene where it's like in the hospital and then they pan up and Billy Baldwin's fucking? This right. No. None of the locations make any sense. That's <laughs> never called back to, but because like later on, it looks like he just has a two-floor apartment. But there is one shot where you're like watching something happen on the lower floor, mm-hmm. and then it pans up, and he's fucking a lady and filming oh, it. Right. It's very confused. Yeah, it's like is this? But then you does, see, a is night, it like his dorm? A later where scene where he's going, he's entering into an apartment building from outside. Right. And that lady's sort of like harassing. Are him. Are you a model? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's so hot. He should have been like Kevin Bacon. He forgot to bring his grappling hook. He could have <laughs> just scaled the building up to his room. Right. <laughs> it is funny. I never thought of it till right now. But there's almost foreshadowing that Schumacher will direct a Batman movie. Yeah. In that scene of Kevin Bacon just cascading down the building. <laughs> well, not to not to bring it back to Phantom of the Opera, however, oh uh, it is in the early 90s when Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber decides that he wants Joel Schumacher to direct his Phantom movie, even though it doesn't come out for 15 years. So I enjoyed taking a step back and watching all these fog machine scenes like everywhere like the drugstore is foggy the <laughs> bar is foggy the streets foggy the hospital's foggy and then see like andrew lloyd Webber, like this is an excellent fit this guy gets me well mediocre you- <laughs> no subtlety match made in heaven <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that scene it's right after nelson has been revived they're in the sort of alleyway they're constantly in alleys so many alleys. Well, no one lives in this city. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they go to Northwestern? I don't know where they go to school. Anyway, not I important. Know. At one De- point, I thought they details were... Details don't matter in this movie. At one point, they were in a Capitol-looking, like in front of... They, the Halloween parties in front of a Capitol-looking building. So for a while, I thought they might be in D.C. But then about an hour and ten minutes in, you're like, oh, I guess this is Chicago. <laughs> right. But uh, so he's in an alley and he sees Champ for the first time, like mm-hmm. dragging his legs around. And they're in this alley with like these like neon green faces like painted on the <laughs> wall, like these murals almost. And it's like these like spooky faces. And there's no other imagery like that at any other point in the movie. So it seems like really random and out of place that those are there because like that imagery just doesn't match up with anything else that's in the movie. Right. There's always a red light somewhere in the background in every scene. I'm just like, who who is your production designer? <laughs> what were they Probably thinking? Probably Joel Schumacher. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like, hey, uh, do we have uh, about a, a bunch of spotlights and a fog machine? Don't worry, <laughs> I've got this. Getting into the discussion of the things that we talk about on this podcast, obviously have to mention that Julia Roberts' character, Dr. Rachel Manis, a woman in STEM. But also she's um, she's not, no one in this movie is a doctor. Not yet. officially. But you do see her. So um, the first actual point I wanted to make is that I would argue that her character plays just as active as a role as each of her male counterparts. So she's doing, every time they're killing the person and then bringing them back to life, she's playing an active role in doing different things, administering different shots of adrenaline. Or I would argue it's morphine. Um, Or, (laughs) you know, resuscitating them and using the defibrillators, which I, I thought it was defibrillator. It is a defibrillator, which... 
Sounds stupid De to me. Defibrillator. <laughs> but um, it's well, it, I, it does seem like her character and Kevin Bacon calls this out in a in a vaguely sexist but somewhat clear way in one of their scenes. It does seem like she's like the most respected of the group. Like she and Kevin Bacon seem to be the alpha doctors yeah. in the group. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas like, it's clear that she's essential to the operation from moment one because mm-hmm. Nelson's like, I can't do it without Yeah, you. he's like, I you need know? you to handle the injections and the IV. So she plays a crucial role in the story. The problem is right. when you add up all of those main five characters, her role means that only 20% of it is something a woman's doing and then 80% of it is dudes. It's major tokenism. Yeah, and interestingly, because the the reason we're doing this movie now is because there is a, it's not a remake. Apparently, it's a sequel. It's a sequel because mm-hmm. Nelson's uh, in it. Because right, because Kiefer's back, baby. I mm-hmm. hope he's got the same hair. Uh, and there are two female leads in the new one. It's Ellen Page and Nino Dobrev, aka Vampire Diaries lady, aka right. Degrassi lady for you, big Degrassi. Head. I thought there might have even been three. There's also Kiersey Clemens. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. So t- as far as I can also, tell. Also, guy from Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Uh, Diego, Diego Luna. Luna? Mm-hmm. I know him yeah. as the guy from the Star Wars movie. And also. I think he's better uh, known for Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he's also in uh, Itu Mama Tambien. You but I'm his, pretty sure he's you see his mostly known for Dirty Dancing Havana <laughs> Right. Yeah. You do see his dick. So, as far as I can tell, the five main med students in the sequel, two of them, I think, are men, and three of them are women. Hard to say, though. I couldn't figure out which character is doing which thing, so I might be wrong about that. Either way, it seems like there will be a little bit more of a gender balance in this sequel. Right. Hey. But Julia Roberts' character is majorly tokenism in in the main ensemble. It does seem like there are proportional amount of women at the medical school because we see julia roberts talking with there's another doctor who i think has a name which i think is edna uh we see her talking to Mm -hmm. edna a couple Mm -hmm. times and then the professor that keeps busting in and saying you're all gonna get f's (laughs) everything's riding on this (laughs) i have two a's you're in competition with each other rip open your cadavers (laughs) (laughs) do not be distracted by the artwork on the wall (laughs) don't put on gloves no one puts on gloves. <laughs> but she's, you know, she's she's in charge. It doesn't seem like she's doing a particularly good job, but she's in charge. Right. So there are female figures, but it's just not accurately reflected. I'm on the IMDb page right now because I was trying to figure out, I was listening for it in the movie and I wasn't sure if I missed it, if the old woman that Julia Roberts talks to a number of times has a name. She does not. She is she credited as Terminal Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Also, feels well, worth mentioning that 11 different actresses are credited as Joe's woman. Oh, God. Wow. From, that, from that scene up the staircase. What a horrible way to frame that. Horrible, yeah. Well, the, the woman in the, one of the very early scenes that Julia Roberts is talking to, asking her what her like, near-death experience was like, mm-hmm. she does not have a name. But the elderly woman that she talks to does have a name, and she names her. It's Mrs. Amsler. Is this the woman who dies? Yeah. Oh, she's credited as Terminal Woman. Oh, weird. Well, Julia so she Roberts does have calls her. She's like, you're doing better today, Mrs. Amsler. I knew she well, called her Mrs. Something. Things. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I assumed that she must have at some point. Okay. Yeah, she does. Well, that changes things. The The doctor she talks to does have a name. Yes, Edna. Yeah. She calls her by name mm-hmm. as well. 
Another thing about Rachel Manis is that everyone's trying to fuck her. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe not Oliver Platt, but... But, like, would he turn down the opportunity? No, it would be not. an honor for him. <laughs> but early He's on... He's almost not in the movie. He's, he's the only one of the five who does not ever right. uh, he, die. He does not participate <laughs> in the movie. I love. I, he's dressed like Harry Potter for the whole movie. He's wearing the same dumbass scarf. Mm-hmm. He says "pussy marauder." He does a lot of exposition. Like he's there for exposition because he's literally recording major plot points into a tape recorder. Right for yeah. a great portion of the movie. Billy Baldwin tries to pick her up in like the first scene. Yeah, really. Meet, he's um, like, "Are you dating mm-hmm. anyone? Just open up, and maybe we can get together for some serious thinking." And later, you're like, "Oh, she probably knows he's engaged." Right. Yeah. Right. He's engaged. True. Yeah. Right. So no wonder she is the woman yeah. that we see him having sex with in the beginning that he's videotaping. Is that his fiance or no? no that's a different no. woman. No, because he's videotaping it. Right. We and then oh, he says he something like, her. "I gotta get one last." thing in before I get married. And then also Platt whips out Pussy Marauder. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. If that's not a screamo band, I'll... (laughs) 100% has to be. So that happens, and then whenever Nelson's about to go under for the first time, he asks Julia Roberts for one last kiss, Mm -hmm. and then the next morning after he wakes up after having flatlined, he's in his bed, she's taking his pulse, and then he says something like, um... God, you're beautiful. And she sort of like moves away from him and she, he like grabs her and pulls her back. And he's like, I bet 24 hours ago you didn't think you'd spend the night here. And she's just like, ugh. She said something like, you were lucky last night, Nelson. Don't push it. And then walks away. But it's right. just like, what a weird well, it feels way like, to interact with right. her. <laughs> it seemed like they, they had slept together. Yeah, it seemed like they there used was a, to be a thing. Mm. There was also a moment after he flatlined when they're like driving to the bar where she like touches his shoulder. Mm-hmm. There's, I feel like it's at least implied that there's some sort of history. There's history, but maybe that she doesn't want it to continue, mm, right? Because then later she sleeps with Kevin Bacon's character, right? She fries up some bacon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I sanctioned that relationship. I think that if she's gonna, well, they both have the best hair. Exactly. Good hair, and they're both, like, the most competent of the group, so it makes best sense Best doctors, they would, best mm-hmm. hair. Yeah. It makes sense. Just a bunch of senior superlatives, and they've got all of them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Med school superlatives, baby. Do we feel like we understand why the group is pretty adamant about Julia Roberts not doing it? That's a good question. Is it because she's a woman and they feel protective of her? Right. Or... What? That was the implication that I got. I mean, but again, with the exception of Oliver Platt, who doesn't want anyone to die at any point, but is also very willing to be around because, you know, we need exposition sometimes. We've got to shave <laughs> off minutes on this movie. Even though uh, it's still an hour and 55 minutes long. <laughs> but it feels like they don't want her to go under because they have a crush on her. And I feel like Kevin Bacon almost implies that at one point. Yeah. See, with Bacon, I can see, I can even see it with Kiefer, too, because it's like he's still in love with her. Kevin Bacon's currently in love with her. And Billy Baldwin's just a fucking... I'll just try to Douche. fuck anything that moves. Billy Baldwin also, I love that he's like, oh, I, I, yeah, God, I'm a filmmaker. I have a camera. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, the camera you use to commit crimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's not even good at that job. Like, there, there's a million times in the movie where they're like, Joe, film. And he's like, oh, yeah, 
I was like, why else are you here? He should take some deep. And his angles are stupid. We already pointed out, like, the way he captures himself from, like, bird's eye view. It's like, that's not, <laughs> who wants to what, recapture that sex scene? That and he's dumb. only filming for, like, four seconds at a time. And it's always a slow zoom so they can fade into a screensaver. <laughs> But back to what you were talking about, there was a conversation between uh, a Dr. Rachel Manis and a Dr. A David Labrat. We'll they are not doctors. <laughs> Med school student David Labraccio. <laughs> yeah, this is after Billy Baldwin has flatlined. Julie's like, I want to go next. I keep getting pushed. I want to go. And then, like, Kevin Bacon outbids her, basically. He's like, I'll go for longer. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of mad. She storms out. And he, like, catches up with her. And she's like, no one seems to want me to go under. I don't need your protection. He's like, oh, well, I just decided that someone is smart and driven as you are and incredibly beautiful. That part was just like, oh, he was so close. Yeah. And then he was like, he's like, it makes the rest of us nervous, which I think, I don't even know if it's an implication. It's like pretty straight up being like, we don't want you to go under. We got to protect you. You're the woman. You're hotter and smarter than us. Even though she's the one who keeps being like, I want to go. Because this is her passion. She's interviewing people to figure out what's happening Mm -hmm. after or if they have a near-death experience. She wants to know. And she wants to get that firsthand experience. Mm -hmm. And they're all just like, no. And Kevin Bacon even says she gives the best reason for wanting to do it. And Uh she totally does. Because like Kiefer says a couple different times, like, we're going to be famous. Right. I'm going to be on 60 Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the she's just prestigious like, thing at that time. I want to, a lot of people close to me have died. I want to see if they've gone to a better place. Right. And if you believe in that sort of thing, sure, that's a good reason to flatline. Yeah. I think she does have the best reason. Yeah. Because Kiefer, I don't know that anyone besides Kiefer offers a reason like bacon says well i'm the control subject so i'll go under because i'm they kind of bully him for being an atheist he's like oh Oh, yeah does the atheist suddenly believe in god well i think this is like it's not an atheist (laughs) joint it's a schumacher joint (laughs) there's a lot of heavenly uh imagery sure i guess Uh, or what he would perceive as (laughs) but anyway so that conversation when he's like oh you're just so smart and driven and incredibly beautiful she gives this look that's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll take that compliment. <laughs> and then she changes the subject. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no. And then walks off yourself. into the mist. <laughs> right. right. The fog the machine's just mist. off camera. Who made more money? And like, was more money spent on paying Oliver Platt or buying fog machines? I feel like it was probably very close for this movie. The other main point I wanted to make about this movie is that Julia Roberts' character is the only one whose, like, sin from her past that comes back to haunt her is something that, like, happened to her rather than something that she did. Like, the other ones with Nelson, it's uh, Billy Mahoney. He Mm -hmm. killed him accidentally or not. Probably not accidentally because he was bullying him and throwing rocks at him. Certainly Uh, manslaughter. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then with Kevin Bacon's character, he also bullied a child. Winnie Hicks. Quote. Winnie Hicks. Um, Who is thriving? Yeah, she's got a huge house and a, a big greenhouse. Right. Oh, we, should ta- we should talk about her really quick. Yeah. That was an interesting scene. That was a scene that I was a little bit, it was like one of those scenes that I feel like we come across very frequently. I was like, oh, this scene could have passed the Bechtel test so easily, but it doesn't. Where her daughter's there the whole time and has a name, mm-hmm. but never has a line. Maybe because Wait, what was the daughter's name? Sheila. Oh, cool. She she says a couple different times, Sheila, go away. <laughs> go away. I'm trying to talk to Kevin Bacon. And Sheila never responds, but she keeps like entering and exiting the scene. 
but that I don't know. Like I, I like that character of of Winnie Hicks, and but I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Kevin Bacon's resolution is really the only one that's actually satisfying mm-hmm. of the whole cast. Right, because he's the only one. So going back to what I was saying earlier, is that hers is the only passive one where something happened to her. She sees her father, and we later find out that he was. I guess shooting up heroin, right? And then because she's it's very sees common that, with a lot of the Vietnam vets coming back, man, they couldn't deal with what happened in that goddamn right. hellhole. It's all your fault, and they got to do heroin, or maybe, right. hey, maybe it was morphine, my favorite drug. Very well, might be <laughs> all-purpose drug, intravenous use, drug user. You can use morphine mm. for anything. You can use it to bring you back to life. You can shoot up and have a great time with it. Anyway, so he's shooting up heroin. She sees it. I guess he feels guilty that his right. daughter witnessed, so he goes outside and kills himself, which that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But maybe. Well, clearly the gentleman had problems. Sure. Who knows what happened when he was in that Da Nang pit of hell? <laughs> but it's weird that the, the like the whole sequence. I mean, and I guess you can sort of narratively write it off of like, well, it's a child's recollection. It's probably not right. really accurate. Mm-hmm. And it's also we only see like mom in the moment say it's your fault. That was probably her whole life after that, right? Being driven in her head by her friggin' Al-Anon mom, who's just like, you did this. <laughs> yeah. Well. The thing with that is that it means her redemption is, was passive also. Well, like, she just has to go and, and watch the scene unfold a little more. That's a good And point. then she yeah. just hugs her dad, and then everything's fine. But she gets a chance. Because she's weighed down by this guilt, so he gets to relieve her of the guilt. She gets to forgive herself, He and, and she gets to forgive him. And that's fine. My point is that the choice was made... She was the only one who had something happen to her passively. Is it because she yeah. was a woman? Is it a coincidence? Hard to say, but either way, the choice was made so that the only female character of the main bunch had a very passive sin and then redemption. So right. it's just sort of perpetuating this idea that like the woman's, sort the of, woman's sin was feeling guilty. Well, and also like to reduce it even further, the main female character has serious daddy issues. Like that is right. something mm-hmm. we've seen a hundred thousand times and we don't see anyone else's parents referenced out of the main cast. Thank you for like verbalizing it, I guess, in that way, because I was sort of at the end of the movie, I was like, Julia Roberts storyline is the only one that has a sort of magical resolution where Kiefer, Billy and Bacon Yep, did it. Uh, Kiefer and Billy and Bacon. <laughs> the, the amazing spinoff series that ran for 11 seasons afterwards. None of their resolutions, however satisfying or unsatisfying, resulted in them receiving any new information. It was them somehow dealing with information that they already had. And then having where, to... Uh, well, with Julia, it's it. a reveal. Like, it's right. a reveal that her dad was a drug user. Definitely. Which and makes that, it, again, passive. So it's just like... I, I, like and it throws a wrench into the logic of the movie. Right. Of, you know, like sort of the lesson is like, well, you've got to atone for the bad things you do in life. But Julia Roberts didn't do anything bad, but she She's somehow a receives angel. a message from the beyond that, uh, no, your dad was addicted to heroin. Which is what she wanted. She wanted to make sure her dad was okay and that she didn't, she was weighed down by this guilt. And then she was able to contact him and him be like, you didn't do anything. It was me who did it. Right. Right. I don't know. Like, the spiritual elements of this movie are kind of all over the place and confusing to me. (laughs) Oh, definitely. (laughs) Like, there's no no rhyme or reason to, like, 
And it's weird because I feel like Rachel's storyline is the one that really introduces the weird, like, wait, what are, the, what are the rules here? And it is also like three of them, it's just shit that happened when they were kids. And so they just, they're still kind of adult children. They can't process what happened. Whereas Billy Baldwin is currently yeah. a piece of shit and he's the only one who's not making it right. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. He's no. a, a rapist and a sex criminal. And well, there's that scene where, like, they all start to realize that each of them is, like, being tormented by the ghosts of their past. And, uh, and they're like, tormented what? by the ghosts of Christmas present. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But um, Billy Baldwin reveals, he's like, yeah, these women, I, I videotaped them and they didn't know about it. Women be complaining and then, about like, my sex crimes. <laughs> and Oliver Platt's character is like, oh, you, you pervert. And then Kevin Bacon doesn't even address it. He moves on. He's like, how about you, Nelson? Who are you seeing? And he's like, ah, this kid, Billy Mahoney. But, like, he just changes the subject after Billy Baldwin has revealed that he's a fucking sex criminal. And everyone's just like, oh, well, let's move on. Well, that's part of Billy Baldwin's thing where it's like, again, like a weird dissonant, like sometimes it's played as... Well, yeah, this is his major wrong, as he's wronged all these women. He's but then, a womanizer is kind of what the... Right, it's never it's never stated or even implied that what he's doing is a crime. But then other moments, it's like played for humor of like calling a sex criminal a pervert and then moving on to the next plot point is obviously uh, very irresponsible. Yeah, he... <laughs> and he's, he's sort of, I feel like, presented along with Oliver Platt as like the goofier of the characters. Right. I mean, you could argue that the fact that this is what's tormenting him is the movie's way of saying, like, this he did a bad thing, but he's hardly punished for it, and he doesn't do anything to redeem himself or try to, like, make any amends. Uh, he does get broken up with by his fiance, but he doesn't even seem that upset about it, well, then, <laughs> like, eventually. And does that basically, mean- I want his dick to stop working. That's the only way, I think. So does that make his and Instead, Julius- the actor stopped working. Matt's stroking a cat right now. (laughs) True. Uh, Yeah, well, does that mean that there are two resolutions that are passive? If Billy Baldwin doesn't do anything, well, he doesn't doesn't even really get a resolution. Right, because the other three. Not that he deserves one, but I'm saying the resolution to deserve one. But something does happen to him. He does get. Dumped, and I'm not saying that that's a fair punishment. It certainly is not. Um, that should be step one of a series of punishments that end with him serving jail time. Who knows? But, Maybe right. she went and called the cops afterwards. Oh, let's hope that poor that girl. Oh, man. And and they go. The narrative goes out of the way to be like she's a student. She's working hard. She's she you know she lives mm-hmm. far away. And you're like, okay, cool. She's she seems like a cool lady. And then she you know they they do a little bit. I'm pretty sure she has a name. Yeah, I, uh... God, I Anne? hate that that's the fucking bar. Yeah, it's like, oh, she has a name, and they said she went to school, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. They did it. Feminism. Right. I like Billy Baldwin's character's line when he's, like, trying to pick up Rachel, because he says something like, these rumors I, I've been hearing about you, they're not true. You're not some cold, frigid woman. I bet you're very warm. And it's As like... <laughs> Well, and and that's another amazing uh, blockbuster recurrence of like, oh, she's uh, she's got goals and she's good at something. She must be a frigid, a frigid bitch. bitch. Right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> oh, you know what I was going to say? You know what dawned on me is the fact that her sin, more or less, is um, totally passive. She didn't do anything because I, I feel like the Hollywood logic is 
you can't have the female character have done anything wrong because then the audience would not forgive her and just see her as a bitch the whole time. Mm. You know what I mean? Interesting, yeah. Whereas, like, the men can have the redemption, but the woman, it's like, oh, no, fuck her. She fucking did that to so-and-so. Because I feel like we're socialized to just think that, like, women have to be perfect little angels all the time, and they can't make mistakes, and da da Because I remember I did a commercial once, and the actress was playing my wife, and the the director was like, you you have to smile throughout the entire scene. Otherwise, like, the clients are like, she's being mean to him. Oh, right, that but type that, of bullshit. Will, I'm never going to smile point, again. That's a great point, though. And sort of plays to like a, a virginal kind of, or like whatever, spiritually mm-hmm. virginal, like... She's untainted, and it turns out that right. that's an amazing point. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. God. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Because if anything, it would have, I mean, I'm not saying this in any other way of, like, it would have made sense if she had also bullied, like, a girl when she was growing up. There's almost no coming back from that, from a character standpoint of looking at, like, oh, God. Right. E- even with the scene, if it was her and Winnie Hicks, I bet the Hollywood view would be, like, People still won't get on her side. Even the right. lovable Julia Roberts. Because, right. yeah, with like, with Kiefer bullying. Kiefer killed a kid. Killed a kid. And he's the and hero. Still, it was hard for me to, by the end of this movie, I was not on Kiefer's side. But I feel like you are supposed to be still. Definitely. Yeah. But it, ultimately, it's like he's doing it to himself. He's literally beating himself up over it. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's a delicate thing because if, if Winnie Hicks hadn't been so well off, would we be so quick to forgive Kevin true. Bacon? Like if her life had been In a shambles, shit show, yeah, yeah, you'd be like, look what you did to her. Right. As opposed to you could even make the argument, well, you instilled her with character and, you know. That she overcame it, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this movie, besides Julia Roberts, like all the male characters get off too easy. Because even like the, the, the end scene with Billy Mahoney, after Kiefer Sutherland as an adult gets crushed by a tree, comes mm-hmm. up and he like smiles. Yeah. It's, he's like, well, oh, he forgives him. I think that's, that, that's right. what I take but from why that. why would he? Right. It's so, that's why I fucking Because they were kids. The they were movie. kids. Oh, well, not think, a, I'm not defending it. it. I'm saying right. I could. It's dumb. I hate it. I think it. that it has to do, like, where current it's, climate considered, it, right. it is harder to get on board with someone who did a horrible thing being forgiven. Right. <laughs> but the point I wanted to make about that is that, like, Kiefer bullying Billy Mahoney Kevin Bacon's character right. bullying Winnie. Those right. are like we're socialized to just be like, well, boys will be boys. Boys are just mean little totally. bullies. Right. And it's okay. Totally. And then and then when they grow up, that's their chance to be like, okay, right. they they've grown up, they've matured, and now they can apologize and everything will right. be fine. But whereas like like you were saying, mm-hmm. women, you know, we're socialized to view women differently. So like there's we sure. just don't we're not gonna be like Oh well, girls will be girls. You know, girls always being schoolyard bullies, and oh, and it's okay. They'll learn. They'll they'll be nicer when they're older. Like that's not how. Or will they? (laughs) Women. It's it seems like flawed, but still sympathetic female protagonist is a relatively new thing to be accepted. Like usually, the woman with the flaw is the villain, right? Mm. As opposed to, like, uh, where I think, you know, you could argue yeah. past past which couple of years. Has like, there's even, shifting. like, even a few years after this was uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. And I remember a lot of people coming away from that movie being like, I don't like Julia Roberts. Like, she was a, she's the hero, quote unquote, of the movie. But it's like, a woman doing it 
leaves a bad taste in the audience's mouth, especially in this country, you know, watching movies right. where they're like, oh, what a bitch she was and poor Cameron Diaz and blah, 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 blah. Which is like ridiculous because right. for a character to be interesting and dynamic and multidimensional, they have to have flaws, like which is probably yeah. part of why so many female characters are underwritten and underdeveloped because they're, they're like, well, I have a very vague and limited understanding of women as a male screenwriter. So she's the this person who's nice and she's nice and that's mm-hmm. all she is. The and thing then about her is she's, she's nice. nice, but also she's hot. And if she's not nice, then but she's the villain. But not too hot. Right, right, right. Not hot enough that it, because then she's mean. Because then she's unrelatable. Because <laughs> she's mean. <laughs> but, oh, if, but if she is mean, then she's the villain. And then that's her only quality also is that she's mean. That's not how people are. They don't have just one quality. Right. I have two. And they're uh, under my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> See? We're back Good to that one. again. Oh, that the first thing I wanted to say was like, It'd be great if they really made it. Well, who knows what they'll do with the sequel. But it's like Mm -hmm. for it to be a true redemption story because it's like making an amends isn't just saying I'm sorry. To make an amends means to make something right. Right. Like how can I fix this? How Mm -hmm. can I make this right? And that's very compelling, I think. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, the majority of the leads in the new one being female, that should be quite interesting if they take that approach of like, you know, righting a wrong. The other thing I was going to say was um, maybe for me the most sexist part of the movie was the fact that the other three take their shirts off, but Julia Roberts has to keep her bra on because she's a lady. And and not for a sexual reason, but for sheer scientific purposes. Like, they have to shock her. Yeah. They put those pads on her bra, it would burst into flames. Mm. Ooh, didn't think of that. Yeah. Right. And it's like there's like a metal coil in it. Like it would have been a disaster. <laughs> uh, there you I mean, go. They would have blown up the art she museum. She was not an equal to them in that respect. Right. She couldn't She's be like, bare chested. You can't but they see could. my nipples. Right. Um, I mean, that might be because of uh, like probably a, a oh no I, contract I, and like they I'm could have implied right. Oh sure, you sure. And right. I th- right. And I think right. just like the logistical blockbuster rating system. I think. Well, this was an R, wasn't it? It must have been. Was it? I don't know. It must have been. They, they said s- fuck well, they once. They said fuck a lot. They said fuck and little boys murdered. Little, little boys are murdered. But <laughs> it was it's scary. Okay. Forgiven. But you're right. Uh, with um, even Kevin Bacon, who is the only one who sort of actively pursues trying to redeem himself. He, all he does yeah. is to say, I'm sorry. Say sorry. Right. And then she says, she's like, no, I forgive you because I'm Thanks. nice. I'm a woman and I'm nice. Right. Yeah. Also. And then we just see like, she has a greenhouse. She's fine. <laughs> there. Yeah, she's killing it. And then she even says to him, I'm not in med school, but I have a greenhouse. Right. And he's like, Oh, I she don't comes feel running this in bad. with like stacks of 20. She's like, Mom, where should I put all this money? <laughs> it was, Eat it. We don't need it. <laughs> it was rated Eat R. It. There you go. Restricted. Okay, well then they could then then my my breast argument falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss whether or not the movie passes the Bechdel test. Based on the assumption that the old lady has... Mrs. Talcum Powder? What's her name? <laughs> Mrs. Ansler. Mrs. Ansler. So then in that case, it passes mm-hmm. in the first scene with two women. The woman she talks to in that first scene when she's interviewing those people, that mm-hmm. first lady is not named. Oh, sorry. I, I was referring to the, well, the first second. scene with the old woman. Oh, okay. Is the first scene that passed for me. Got it. Even No, be- before that, um, when right, she's the interviewing scene. the two women, we yeah. don't... There are two women there. 
in addition to um, do we get Nana's, the young girl? One of them name? is Terry. Yeah, yeah, she's, exactly. she gets named oh. Terry. Um, Terry's like, I saw a light in a tunnel in a chariot, and there's right. music, and it was beautiful. And then she's, and Terry's like, she's like, Terry, Terry you, you need to get off your crazy. medication. Yeah. But maybe that one doesn't count because they were kind of talking about God, and as everyone knows, God is a man. <laughs> Oof, let's get into it. I want this episode to be four hours long. <laughs> uh, and then in the scene after that, it passes again because um, mm-hmm. Julia and Edna. Edna. Uh, mm-hmm. Edna's like, there's trouble in the ER. And she's like, why are you always asking your patients about death? And Julia's like, I'm going to be late for class. Thanks, Edna. <laughs> right. But uh, she's always asking people about death because of her dad, and her dad's a man. Right, so it all comes back to... It all comes back to men, and there's men in the ER. And there's trouble in the ER, and men cause all the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you raised some excellent points. I think all of her scenes with Mrs. Death pass. Mrs. Death. <laughs> Yes, because she's like, I don't want to be buried on a Saturday. It costs $150 more. Is it bad that by the end I was like, die already? And then like when she was dead, I was like, good. Seems like she wanted to be dead for yeah. the whole movie. When Julie Roberts says, were you doing much better today? The woman looks at her like, fuck you, honey. <laughs> yeah. I have wanted to die. <laughs> it is incredible, though, thinking about it, that she doesn't even, like the go-to cliche would be her talking about like her dead husband. Yeah, I think that that just ended up being a weird character because it seems like she would be like the classic like old person character to teach someone a lesson. Right, but it is also, it probably wouldn't work if she was talking about seeing Edgar again or whatever because then it, the, she it is... It would be Edgar too. In, in the way the character exists in the movie, she is not looking forward to dying. Right. But she's also like, I just want to get it fucking over with. Well, she even said, she's like, I told everyone I loved them. Like, she makes it sound like I right. did all this stuff. Right. I'm thinking about my burial. Like, Right. And then she mentions, like, voices telling her different oh, things. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, after she dies and Julie comes back to discover that, she talks to Edna again mm-hmm. and says, I wanted to tell her the voices were wrong. There's nothing beautiful out there. Because this is after Rachel Nanus oh, right, right, has right. flatlined and, like, Thank sees God all she the crazy. <laughs> ghost daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost daddy. Oh, yeah. Um, what if that was their last conversation? <laughs> She's like, actually, you should be... Very afraid. Yeah, this yeah. is awful. I know. There. Oh, or what if when Julie Roberts dies, she actually sees the movie Ghost Dad? <laughs> um, That's a punishment for I anybody. saw that yeah. in the theater. That's <gasps> why. My mom and I were going oh. to the movies. It was impossible to know. Yeah. Well, uh, the point, though, about Flatliners is Are we that still it recapping passes. it? <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> and then. So uh, Kevin Megan just Kevin scaled the Bay- building. <laughs> yeah. Flatliners passes the Bechdel test like in four different scenes. Mm -hmm. It does. I feel like this is just another, it's not outwardly hateful of women for them, even though it's often very, very misguided. But the problem, or most of the Bechdel test problem stems from there's only one female with Mm -hmm. any significant screen time. Right. Which is every blockbuster from the beginning of time. (laughs) There's a few exceptions, but well, mostly, I mean, there yeah. are exceptions, but like that's. It, it, I wonder if you if trend. you if you broke it down like per person, there's probably more women have lines in the movie overall than men. It's uh, the but majority, they're all, like, but they're all or tertiary characters. Oh, definitely. Have, like, oh, well, even line. I'll go you one further. They all fucked Billy Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> and there's well, and there's also like very long scenes in this movie that are all. Men, where I feel like the the exchanges we're referencing are generally, except with the exception of Julia Roberts and Mrs. Death, are mm-hmm. generally pretty quick scenes. Totally. I mean, it's not a women's movie. No, it's, it's a Joel Schumacher movie. <laughs> it's a dumb movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, with that, let's rate it on our nipple scale, right. where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women on a scale of zero to five nipples. I'm going to give it two, I think, because mm-hmm. Rachel Maness's character, if you just isolate her and are only thinking about her and her portrayal, is pretty good, especially just because in the scenes where they're flatlining each other and then reviving each other, she's doing important things. She's pretty crucial to those scenes and that process. However... Uh, It did really bother me that hers was the only sin that was completely passive and she didn't have to actively do anything to try to redeem herself. I don't know if that choice was deliberate, but based on our conversation of like, people don't like female characters when they do bad things because we hate women as a society. Yeah, Um, that was a great point. I wonder who made that point. <laughs> it's very hard to redeem a woman. It is, and and that, and then the fact that it goes into your own personal experience is mm-hmm. significant as well. I think that yeah, yeah, and then also the fact that they completely the McCarthy rule. They most <laughs> they Ooh, the McCarthy rule. Mm-hmm. We love letting we love introducing I would call rules. It a McCarthyism is what I would do. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Finish. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot. Uh, I had one new rule I wanted to oh, present in this episode. Oh, great, great, great. Um, but I also, uh, not great that the movie mostly glosses over the fact that uh, Billy Baldwin's character is a sex criminal. Is uh, And they, yeah. that's not addressed You know, like when you're a rapist, but it's cute. <laughs> you're just a little pervert. Um, you're but, a pussy marauder. I mean, even just the, the videotaping a, a partner and not letting them know, like, that's, well, whether, whether they illegal. know or it's extremely illegal, but, like, what a problem that is now with the internet. Like, mm-hmm. the, you know... True shaming ex-girlfriends and all that bullshit. Yeah. Ugh. So don't... Oh, yeah. Maybe, he's an early pioneer of yeah. revenge porn. That in <laughs> itself would have been an interesting movie, just exploring him, like, videotaping sex without the partner's consent and then him... And then all the women getting murdering him or, because of it. That could I be something. I would like to see that movie. While we're on... Okay, so this does That would be an interesting movie. Cutting his dick off. This does dovetail into my my rule, which mm-hmm. I... Which I've, I have thought about before I don't think I've ever brought it up before is uh, the rule of if you take an attractive actor who is perhaps committing sex crimes or being a very you know like oozing toxic masculinity swap him out with Steve Buscemi how does the movie change <laughs> it's the new Buscemi rule I, wow. I thought of it after re-watching Drive replace Gosling with Buscemi and it is a completely different movie about an unhinged fucking maniac. Like, if you take out a sexy person and put Steve Buscemi in the role, yeah, in a toxic ma- like male role, the movie changes a thousand percent. And I, Billy Baldwin is the character yeah. that would apply that rule. To. All yeah. I can picture is like Steve Buscemi not having sex and then turning and smiling <laughs> turning. at the camera. It's, it's horrifying. It's totally different. <laughs> but I feel like that has to be that should be applied because it's like just because Billy Baldwin has. I mean, I think he has a very weird face, but like because he is attractive, he, the yeah. rules change for him in some I don't way. Know. Or it's cuter. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me, but it's like he's too good looking for me to root for. Right. Like I get right. in that mindset. That's but true. it's also, he's just, he's the least likable character in the movie for me. Because mm-hmm. I just think what he's. I, still, like, what, I liked Kiefer the least. <laughs> but but I, I think that. Yeah, but he, I feel like he second. doesn't even smile the whole movie with Kiefer. You're just like, what the fuck? And then he's like, you know, he's the tortured artist, brilliant genius, going to explore the blah, blah, blah. And then he, it turns right. out he killed a kid and he's a bully. But it's just Also, like, how does he not end up completely brain dead after being dead for 12 minutes? No doubt. <laughs> I wish he had died. He should yeah, have died. Yeah, he should have died. Uh, and then, Maybe and in then, the sequel he'll just be like a... 
like a vegetable who just like kind of types with a few fingers and that's how the the new med school students have to communicate with him and he's trying to tell them don't do this look at what happened to me and they're just like but we gotta be uh, on i think he's telling someone to touch up his blonde roots (laughs) someone dye this man's hair but that's a a new rule we can use at our discretion the the buscemi substitution i'll call it i like it i Mm -hmm. like it a lot by the way, um, my two nipples that I've awarded oh, yes. to the movie belong to Oliver Platt because he does not <gasps> grace. No, those, were those were yours? No, I'm going to give mine out for Melina. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone else should rate the movie. I was thinking two and a half nipples. Mm-hmm. Julie Roberts' character is the smartest of the crew. They keep saying at every point they can't do it without her. I give, my, I give two of them to Julia and then half one to uh, the dead lady. Big ups. Mrs. Death? Mrs. Mrs. Death. Death. Mrs. Deathfire. <laughs> Half a withered nipple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to give it two as well for pretty much all, all the reasons stated. I, I think Matt's point really about, about the female character needing to be likable put Julia Roberts' arc in perspective for me a lot and, and uh, robbed the movie of half of a nipple because she is the most capable, but she's also uh, sort of given the least dimension because she cannot be seen as unlikable or, or too flawed. Um, right. Her arc is the least arky. It's like a more of a, just a flat line. Hey! Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, So I'm going to give my two nipples to Alfred Molina. And let me let me just really quick look up. I, I have to assume he was offered the, role. the Oliver Platt role. <laughs> let let me speculate on perhaps what he was doing instead. This is my favorite part. What was Alfred Molina well, he, he doing instead of being in this movie? He would have been too old to be in med school. No, no, because he, no, he was, uh, so, well, I don't know. Platt was born in 1960. Molina's born in 53, but he's a character actor. Does it really matter? Okay, <laughs> here's something he might have been doing instead. This is 1990. Maybe he was shooting Not Without My Daughter. <laughs> Or maybe he was shooting the movie American Friends. Or maybe he was on the press tour for Rescuers Speaking, in which he played Italian priest. Or maybe he was just uh, playing one of his many famous Shakespearean stage roles. Hmm. Either way, he was too fucking busy, so they threw Platt a bone. (laughs) I forget where I was, but I I don't even know if I met him, but he was just there, and we were like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God, that's so exciting. Wait, where'd you, you you don't remember where? I really can't. I, I we might have even had an exchange, but I honestly can't remember. Well, if if you if you remember, let us know because we're always looking for him. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for being our guest. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. Where can people find you online? They can go to thisismattmccarthy.com for all your Matt McCarthy needs, or you can follow me on all forms of social media at McCarthy Redhead, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and uh, go to wewatchwrestlingpodcast.com. New episodes every Wednesday at 3.16 a.m. Wow. Excellent. Mm-hmm. We just got back from New York City celebrating our fourth anniversary. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, oh, you should go, girls, you should go to, women, ladies. Uh, yeah. You should go to, it's so. Pussy marauders. Uh, there's, just none, <laughs> there's just no good equivalent to guys. Gals. Know? I like uh, Gals. 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 I like gals. It's I a little, it's a little bit condescending, but I, I'm, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I, ladies works, but ladies. It, there is something formal I prefer a, about a it. Gentlewoman. Gentlewoman. I prefer. What's up, bitch? <laughs> 
So you bitches, you, you should check out. <laughs> you sluts. Yeah. I I just noticed um, <laughs> on the professional wrestling tip, September seventh mm-hmm. in Baldwin Park is a uh, bar wrestling is having their fourth show, and I was looking at the announced lineup. So so far, there are more female wrestlers booked on the show than male wrestlers. That's excellent. Hey, there you go. And yeah. the and the the queen of intergender wrestling, Candice LeRae, will be in the house. Excellent. There you go. For all you wrestling fans yeah. out there, that that might mean something to you. And I haven't watched wrestling in like awesome. a year. I'm bad. Uh, I've never seen it. It's fun. I don't know anything about wrestling. Have, oh, are you watching sorry. Glow? No, I intend to, but I have not started yet. Aristotle loves Glow. Mm-hmm. Glow head There's over my there. single. That's right. Go to check out my my comedy single, pro wrestling fan Matt McCarthy on Spotify and uh, iTunes and all such platforms. Very cool. You can uh, follow us. On Twitter, Instagram, at Bechtelcast. You can go to our brand spanking new website. Bechtelcast.com. You can also, there's a spot on our website where you can donate money to us to help us uh, with some of our production costs. Please. Um, Thank you. Please and thank you. And you can also uh, have a great day. Today, you know what? Maybe not such a good day to die after all. (gasps) Perfect. Bye. Bye. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.